Good morning, Shiloh. Uh, again, my name is Kyle Thompson. I'm the College and Engage Minister here at Shiloh Road, and we want to welcome you again. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Uh, this morning, I have the unique pleasure of joining in on a sermon series that Gary has started at the start of the year. We've been focusing on this, this term, sacred rhythms, and I want to remind us of what we have defined a rhythm as, and that is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. A strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. And this morning, we're going to take on the rhythm, the sacred rhythm of service. Now, to be clear, I, I want us to focus in on personal service, not, not service church-wide, because we do have a lot of things that we do here at Shiloh that are considered service. We have an awesome group of engaged ministries that I get to be a part of, helping those who are really the boots on the ground making these things happen. We have things like Embrace Grace, who has started to show new mothers and young moms that they have a place to belong in the church, something that has been needed for years. Amen? We also have awesome ministries like the Shiloh College ministry that I get to lead, where we get to show college-age people that they can have a place to belong here at Shiloh Road, so that wherever they go, they know they can go and they can belong in the church. Trying to reduce that number, that statistic that says that young people are leaving the church in droves. We also have awesome programs and events like Reach Basketball League, which we're coming up on our second year of doing it here in just a couple of weeks. And we could use your help, not only getting your kids signed up ages six through 10, but we would love for you, if you are considering ways that you can better serve and engage our neighbors, that is an awesome opportunity. Be sure to stop at that table on your way out. But this morning, I want us to really focus in personally, and I know that's, that's not easy to do. That's a hard challenge to ask because it's hard for me. It's hard for me to stop and really consider, okay, what does my life look like? Gary's done a great job of sharing all these rhythms. But how are these rhythms played out in my own personal life? This morning, the rhythm of service is a personal one. We're talking about, really in a word, hospitality. That word hospitality comes from the word philoxenia. Philo, you, you know Philadelphia, the city of? Brotherly love, right? That philo means love, and that xenia you may have heard in political occasions. Xenia means stranger, those that we don't know, those that are not a part of us. And so philoxenia is the love of the stranger. That is hospitality. This morning, the service that we're talking about is hospitality. Now, if I'm being honest with you, this doesn't come easy to me, and I wouldn't expect it to come easy to many of you. When I was a kid, I had one brother growing up. His name was Scott. And I can vividly remember the day I was probably six years old, my brother was nine. I vividly remember my dad came home from work one day and he had two sets of stickers. They were all the same size sticker. One set had a group of stickers that said the name Scott on all of them. And one group had the set of stickers that said Kyle on all of them. That's my name. And he gave us these sets of stickers and he said, here's the deal. I'm tired of you arguing and fussing over whose toys are whose. Go put your name on the sticker, and if it's not your name, you don't get to play with the toy. Now, my dad's right down here. Some of you, you can go congratulate him later for a great dad move. Or if you're judging him, you can talk to him, too. Don't come to me. 
But I didn't share well growing up. I'll just be honest. I went to college and I had a hard time with roommates because, man, that's my, that's my food in the fridge. I don't want to share that with you. I don't like sharing. It doesn't come easy to me. I think in some ways we can all relate to that, especially in the realm of strangers, right? I'm sure a lot of you were better siblings growing up, better kids growing up, and you were willing to share your toys and your things more than I was. But I want us to stop and consider for ourselves, what is it that stops us from sharing our life with other people? What is the barrier? What is the thing standing in the way from us sharing our life, from us showing hospitality, from us serving strangers with what we have, with our homes, with our lives? For some of us, it may be fear. It's a scary thing to welcome somebody that you do not know into your home. Fear of the unknown, the person that we don't know because they're not us, they're not we, and that means that they're them. Some of us may be worried that we don't have enough to offer. We think if, if I have somebody come to my house, I really only have enough for me and my family. What could I possibly have to offer them? And then also, a lot of times we worry that if we're going to open up our lives to people as Christians, as people who claim to follow after Jesus, what if I don't have the right words to share with those people? What if I don't know what to say? Maybe this isn't you. Maybe, maybe you are the type of person, and I know that we have many people here at Shiloh who do an awesome job of opening their homes to others. Kenzie and I have been blessed in the last year and a half by many of you who have welcomed us into your home. You do a good job of, of serving people with what you have, but I guess a, a deeper question might be, when was the last time that that person was a complete stranger? Somebody that you didn't know at all. Whatever the case may be, we struggle opening up our lives to other people, especially when those people are strangers. In Genesis chapter 18, if you want to be turning over to there, we see a story of Abraham, and we get the, the glimpse of it. Seth did an awesome job reading this morning, right? That was great. Good job, Seth. Thank you so much. And we see that Abraham, he gets three strangers coming down the way to his house. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I received three visitors, three complete strangers to my home, the way Abraham reacted is not the way that I would have reacted. You may be like me. You might turn off all the lights and hope that they didn't see you and act like you're not there, right? Like, ah, I don't know. I think of, oh, brother, where art thou with a kid? He walks out there with a little pellet gun and he shoots at him. They're like, what are you doing, son? And he says, you men from the bank? Pa told me to shoot men from the bank. Anyway. That's right. Served papers, right? Or maybe, just maybe, you're that type of person that does go and grab that weapon because you don't know them and you want to be sure that they're not there to hurt you. I'm curious, just by a show of hands, how many of you would have chosen, just imagine, three strangers walking up to your door, how many of y'all would choose to run outside and spark up a conversation with them? Anybody? Jude would. <laughs> Burke, I knew that was coming. There's Larry, yeah. I see some of y'all. Yeah, I know it. Martin Tucker, I think, serving, serving this morning or else he would probably do the same. Very few of us think that way, though, right? Very few of us see a stranger walking down the road and we think, oh, I'm going to go and meet this person. 
Let's see what Abraham's response was in verse 2. It says, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Before I move on, let me just say, I do not personally recommend the Abraham method in this instance. If you see three strangers walking down your road, I do not recommend that you jump out of your house and run at them. Just throwing it out there. You can try it. If they have a dog, maybe not a good choice. But two things about what Abraham does here. The first is this. For a man of his age, at his time, in his culture, it is known that it would have been a shameful thing for him to run. I think culturally, it's a shameful thing for older men to run still. But Regardless to say, it was a shameful thing because you're an older gentleman. You ought to have your life together. You shouldn't be in a hurry. Other people ought to be running and getting things for you. But instead, we see Abraham, as a chapter before, we see that he's 99 years old. Anybody? 99? Not quite. Otherwise, Burke would have sang for you. But he runs to them and he greets them and he does something that I would say is a bit common in that culture is he wanted to show them hospitality. He wanted to offer them something. And what wasn't common, though, was what he ended up offering next. It says that he asked them if they would come in and freshen up, clean up a bit. He offered them a small bit of bread, and the men agree. So this is what Abraham does. Verse 6, and Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, that's his wife. He said, quick. Get three sias of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Three sias. Any of y'all got a measuring cup that says sia on it? No. A sia would have been about seven quarts of flour. That means that Sarah went and prepared bread with roughly that much flour for three men. Some of you may have noticed that I have a table here with some flour on it. Flower power, right? Nah, just kidding. But this is about 37 pounds of flour. Now, being a southern boy, I can relate to biscuits. And I'll just be honest with you, I have no idea how much flour it took to make these biscuits. It came from a can. Um, I'm not going to be using these, this flour to bake because that's my wife's thing. She's a dietitian. She even made the biscuits from the can. I didn't even do that. I'll just be honest. But this, I, I guarantee you, it did not take even one of these bags to make these biscuits. And on my best day, there's no way that I could eat all of these biscuits and feel okay about it. Right? So tell me, how in the world could anyone expect even three men to eat this much flour's worth of bread? Biscuits. Sarah goes over the top. She goes above and beyond because for her, it's an opportunity to serve. And I'll just tell you, Kinsey's been doing a great job of baking banana bread in the last year and a half. She's got this really good recipe. I highly recommend it. We had some this morning. But I don't, like, if I'm being honest with you, I don't know that in the year and a half of us being married that Kinsey's even use this much flour. Like, this is the two pounds to the 35 to make it 37. 
She didn't even, like, I don't know. In our first month of being married, the only thing that we've ever asked for is we asked our neighbors for some flour so that we can make some banana bread. We don't do this. We don't offer people this because it seems excessive. But Abraham doesn't stop there. He goes and he prepares a calf for meat. He gets some curds and he gets some milk and he brings it to them and he sets it at their feet. And then probably my favorite part of the story, verse 8, it says, While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. He made all that food and then he didn't even touch it. He stood by and he made sure, this is just my personal opinion, that he made sure that they had enough so that they could get well rested and well fed so they could continue on their journey. I love how he goes through all this trouble. It's the heat of the day. He runs to meet them. He prepares way more food than anyone can eat. And then he stands and he watches to be sure that they get enough. Why in the world would Abraham and Sarah go through this much trouble for three strangers? You could say it's because that they knew that these visitors were different, if you keep on reading. And that's true. But personally, I think it's because there is a clear truth being displayed in this story. And that's that service starts at home. Our service to others starts at home. In the chapter before this, chapter 17, if you're doing the daily Bible readings, then you read this a, a couple of weeks ago. In chapter 17, Abraham makes a covenant with God, but he wasn't Abraham then. He was actually called Abram. If you remember, he actually gets a new name from God. Abram becomes Abraham, and his entire life is changed. God says that he will make him a great nation, that he belongs to God now, and that he will one day be given a promised land, and his name is changed. I think the reason that Abraham and Sarah go above and beyond for those three visitors is because they knew their identity had changed. They had a new name. And that new name was a name from God. Where they choose hospitality. They choose to serve even strangers. Because in doing so, they're living up to that new name. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What are you known for? What is it that people recognize you by? In Jesus' case, his very own followers, those who had spent countless hours with him, recognized him as he broke bread with them. They recognized him in the way that he served them, the way that he shared a simple meal with them. Here's the thing about rhythms. Your rhythms become your reputation. The things that you do over and over and over again, those are the things that people will know you by. I think it's no coincidence that Jesus' followers recognized him only after he broke bread with them. Here's the thing about God. God is for hospitality. 
He is for love of the stranger. He is for those who are foreigners among us, and he's been about it since the very beginning. As you are reading through the Bible, potentially, you'll notice time and again, God brings up how they are supposed to treat those who are not a part of them yet. Jesus was always about hospitality. Abraham knew this. He lived up to that new name. And here's the thing. If you're in Christ, if you are in Christ, you have a new name. You have a new name. So the question is, for me and for you, what is it that is stopping you from sharing your life with others? Chuck, that was a perfect song, man. (laughs) That's the spirit at work right there because God is shown to others through his son in you. In you. For he dwells in the presence of his people. Now here's the deal. He can do that through ministries like Embrace Grace. He can do that through the Shiloh College ministry, and absolutely he can do that through Reach Basketball. Amen. Thank God for that. But the way that he has always done it the way that he will continue to do it is when those who are part of Christ share their life with others. Now, here's the thing. You might be afraid of other people. I am too. You might worry that you don't have enough. I do too. And you may worry that you don't have the right words to share. I know coming from a minister, it sounds crazy, but I worry at times too. But here's the cool part. As God calls us to engage our neighbors, as the church at Shiloh Road, he calls us to engage our neighbors in spite of fear, no matter how little we actually have to offer, and even when we don't have the right words to say. Jesus, in all of his teachings, he would often teach in parables, and he would often talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. One of my favorite, favorite short little verses where he does this is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. It says this, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. A little bit of leaven Three measures of flour till it was all leavened. It only takes a little bit. Jesus is telling those who would listen that your little bit, your little acts of service, your small meals, your small conversations over a cup of coffee, that's how the kingdom of God That's how the kingdom of heaven is going to grow. Little bit by little bit. Here's the coolest part about all this to me. Is that Jesus can be seen in your service to others. Realize that Jesus is seen even in the simple sharing of a meal. Whoops. Gary, I don't know how you use this thing. (laughs) Jesus is seen 
when we offer hospitality and Jesus is seen when we grow the rhythm of service. But here's the question, what does that mean for Shiloh? What does that mean for this body here collectively? Those here in person, and we know many join us online. What does it mean for us as the Shiloh Road Church of Christ? Just imagine. Imagine if our reputation was the rhythm of service, both in the community as a body, but also in the community as individuals of this body. Imagine if our reputation was, those are the people that always want me to come over for a cup of coffee. (laughs) And we have so much more than a cup of coffee or a couple of biscuits to offer people. Don't underestimate the impact that one meal could have on someone's life. Let me tell you, it doesn't take 37 pounds of flour. It really doesn't. One simple meal, one simple conversation, welcoming someone into your messy, broken, and filthy life to say, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect, but thank God that Jesus is. Serving others, sharing and loving the stranger among us. Here's all that I'm saying. Here's what God is calling you to do. He's calling you to use what you have not use what other people think you might have, right? Not use what everybody expects you to have. Use what you have in service to others. Why? So that Jesus can be seen. That's it. Why do we engage our neighbor? Why is that a part of our 2030 vision? Because that's the whole point. It's why we come together and we exalt him. That's why we encourage one another as we're about to go do in our Bible classes. We hope you'll join us. But it's why when we go from here, when we go about our rhythms of life, our sacred rhythms because we are of Christ, it's why we go and we offer to the stranger a place to belong. This is what the sacred rhythm of service is all about. Use what you have in service to others so that they might see Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the blessing that it is to gather as your people. God, to glorify and praise your name. You are the only one that is worthy. God, I pray as as we go from here, God, that you will help us to be a people that lives out this sacred rhythm of service in our lives. Father, help us to to do it as a body even more. Father, help us to find new opportunities to engage our neighbor as a church, as groups here at the church. But God, maybe even more than that, I pray that you will help each and every one of us as individuals, as couples, as families. Father, to use what we have to serve others so that they might see your son. God, thank you for this time together. I pray that you be with each person here as we go from here. God, help us to show hospitality to others, to love the stranger, to serve others with our life, God. Help us to be courageous in this endeavor. We thank you for all you do for us, Lord. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you most of all for Jesus and your Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Go ahead. 
If you have a need this morning, um, our elders are going to be in the back. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, to help you respond in any way that you, you see fit. Um, we're here for you, and that's, that's why we're here. So if you would, come as we stand and as we sing.